let's talk defense mechanisms and coping strategies. First episode, why not? Let's dive right in. Hi and low. Hi, I'm low. This is a podcast about mental health and uh, just the journey that it is. It's a never-ending journey. Uh, achieving a state of good mental health is something I think we're all striving for. And I feel like this podcast was something that I needed to do. I've never done a podcast before. I've never been a guest on a podcast before. And aside from listening to podcasts myself, I have no idea what I'm doing. So thanks for joining me on this journey. Um, I'll get into my story um, about my own mental health and why I'm even doing this podcast sometime later. It's a little bit of a darker story, you know, might need a little content warning. It's real. It's, you know, what happened. It's the things that I've experienced. It's ugly and it's raw. I just didn't want to start my first episode of the podcast off that way. So instead, let's talk about defense mechanisms and proper healthy coping strategies. Um, I feel like no matter where you are on your mental health journey, whether you've ever experienced depression or um, anxiety, I think everybody's been stressed enough to the point where they know that they have a defense mechanism and an internal automatic um, way to respond to stressors. And most of the time those are negative. Those are the unconscious ways that our brain protects us in times of stress and coping mechanisms are more conscious behaviors that we choose to implement in times of stress. So it's like an id ego thing, unconscious, conscious, um, a concerted effort to respond in a, in a healthier way. Um, there's lots of defense mechanisms, depending on the person. We're, we're all, you know, every one of us has our own built-in internal auto-reply email, you know, that our brain sends out to the rest of our body to let us know, help, this is what's happening, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to hibernate now. Or uh, for some people, it's addiction. For some people, it's procrastination. Uh, for some people, it is undoing. Like, you, you just start unraveling everything around you. There, there's so many different ways that people respond in unhealthy ways. I think the key is to understand what you're, what you're doing as you're doing it. The, pro- the, the problem is most of us don't realize that we've implemented this negative defense mechanism until after it's done. And then we're reaping the, you know, we're having to deal with the consequences of that negative response. Uh, for me... I am a procrastinator. If I have the stress of a, of a big project, let's say, um, and, and here's where the project, I found out about it, here's where it's due, here's the, the deadline. Instead of getting it done in this little like time frame here, where I would then have the time to be able to reflect, um, make notes for you know making it better next time, or just enjoy the fact that I a job well done and it's finished and I have all this time to relax. I don't do that. I've got all this time here and I wait until way over here. And then my brain, if I do bad, if you know, it's bad work, my brain tells itself, oh, well, you didn't have that long to do it. Really, I did. I had this much time to do it. 
And I, I sat there and I put it off and I put it off and put it off and put it off until I had to rush. And I always get it done. That's the problem. I always get it done. It's just stressful, needlessly stressful. And I make the other people around me so miserable in that frenzied time frame that I've given myself when I should have just taken my time. I should have, I could, I, I would have had this much time to use if I needed it. And I used just this tiny little amount because my brain just kept telling myself, you can worry about it tomorrow. You can worry about it tomorrow. Technically, yes, that's true. And no, I've never not gotten what needed to be done, done. But if I had, if I'd given myself enough time, I wouldn't have stressed myself out. I wouldn't have put an undue stress on my body, my mind, the people around me. So having to, having to come out of that, I've had to tell myself, done is better than perfect, which is a lot of the reason why I put it off. I keep thinking, honestly, I think, well, if I wait, maybe I'll, I'll get some new information or I'll acquire a new skill or I'll suddenly have all the money I need to do it over the top and big the way that I would want to do it. That's never going to happen. <laughs> done is better than perfect. There's a quote in the, the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert where she, there's a part where she talks about the lazy perfectionist. That is me. Hello. I am the lazy perfectionist. I want everything done perfectly, but I don't really want to put in all the work that needs to be done to make it as perfect as I want it to be. So then I procrastinate and I unconsciously set myself up for bad work. And then I blame it on the fact that I didn't have much time to do it. So of course it wasn't going to be perfect done is better than perfect if you have something that you're putting off because it's stressing you out or you think it's not going to be great you think it's not going to be good enough do it it probably won't be perfect but do it because you'll get it done it's a check on the to-do list and getting something done is better than doing something perfect another of my negative defense mechanisms is um i i have a very addictive personality I can be easily addicted to anything that I love. Food, I love chips. I love chips. Every weird flavor combination of chips that you could present to me, I'm gonna eat them. I love them. And if I've had a bad day, busting open a brand new bag, not a snack bag, a family size, party size bag of chips and just killing the whole thing right there in one sitting in the beginning, sounds like the, the greatest thing that I could ever do. I'm enjoying it. Oh, it's going to taste so fantastic. I'm going to love every crispy, crunchy bite of it. And then when I wad up the bag and throw it away and I realize what I've done, I feel so much worse than I did to begin with. I don't even know why I did it to begin with. Why did I stop at the store and get that bag of chips? Because I was, because I was sad. Because I was stressed. Because I felt some anxiety. And then now I feel disgusting. My stomach hurts, probably have a headache, too much sodium, all I'm, you know, all of that. It wasn't worth it. It felt good in the moment, but it wasn't worth it. Um, another of my addictions for the past few years has been TikTok. I think there's a lot of you out there who could probably relate. Um, during COVID, I downloaded TikTok. Same story we hear from everybody. I downloaded TikTok. I'm a small business owner, and in 2020, my city basically shut down for several weeks, and then in the subsequent months following, I couldn't work. Um, I barely worked most of 2020, so I was here at home, and 
And the times that I wasn't with my daughter or my husband, I literally was just on TikTok. Everybody was doing dances, Doja Cat music, everybody was memorizing the dances, and, you know, it was fun. I would fall down rabbit holes on TikTok. I would find out all this stuff, and then I would, I would spend, I would literally spend half the night Googling things that I had learned on TikTok. And while it could be such a useful app in so many ways, I was abusing it to escape how stressed I was about work, how stressed I was about COVID, how stressed I was about my husband's job, my daughter. Like, what is this, what does this COVID world mean for her? Pushing all that aside and just losing myself in my, in my media consumption. So I've had to since adapt a new way of dealing with TikTok. It sounds crazy. Sometimes I sit back and I think this is absolutely crazy that you are addicted to an app to the point where you have to force yourself into dealing with wanting to open that app. But I don't think it's as crazy as my brain wants me to believe. I believe there's so many other people out there who are struggling with the same exact thing. Media consumption is a massive problem for people today. It just It's just a fact. Um, and the detrimental effects that it has on us, it, it, you can't ignore those. It's true. So one way that I've dealt with wanting to open TikTok is um, I bought a phone attachment for my stationary bike. And if I find myself sitting on TikTok for more than like 10 minutes straight, and I know I don't have anything else to do, so I'm letting myself do it, I switch to the bike. And that's how I get to watch TikTok. I put the phone in the the little holster and I ride. At least I'm getting some physical activity. That's why I tell myself it is not the perfect, uh, this is not the perfect method for dealing with, with stress or anxiety. It's not, but it's better than it was. And I think ultimately a lot of our mental health journey is like that. It's not the perfect way to handle it but it's working for us. And I'll continue doing that until it's no longer working for me. And once I've realized that it's not working out like that, then I'll move on to the next step. It is a process. Healing ourselves, finding mental wellness is a process. It is not a cut and dry method. There is not an A, B, and C step that we can all follow to get us to this perfect state of bliss. That's not how this works. We are like on a highway of mental health and there are exits everywhere. And all the exits have all of these, these fantastic things that, that want to lure us that seem so much better than just staying on that road and doing all this work and working to, you know, staying on this journey. That's kind of like, it's hard. I don't want to say, I, I'd rather get off at an exit for a while. It's fine if you've gotten off at an exit and you've been there for a little too long. You can always get right back on the highway. You know, the thing about mental uh, achieving a better status of mental health and I think I, I, I will say this on every I don't know how many episodes of this podcast I'm going to do but every episode that I do I'm going to make sure anybody listening find a therapist find a friend if you feel like you are so in such a dark place if you feel you are so depressed if you are feeling so low that you don't know what you're going to do, that you are up against it and you have no idea how to fix it, talk to somebody. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that therapy is just readily available for everybody. I know it's not. But finding someone who can help you, who can listen to you, who you can trust, 
is so important. And those of us who have people in our lives that trust us, that we know well enough, if you see something, say something. It can feel so crazy. And a lot of times when you are in a depressed in, in a depressive state, you feel like nobody else around you notices. And if you have disconnected yourself from people, that's probably true. If you've put barriers up and you really don't have contact with other people, they probably don't notice, except that maybe you've pulled away from them. That may be the only thing they notice. But if you have people in your lives that are sort of guardians a little bit at times, if you trust someone and you are close with someone and you keep the, uh, the flow of communication open, even though you feel like you may be hiding it really well, I promise you they notice something. And as long as we stay within a comfortable state with people that we trust and that we care about, that care about us, keeping each other in check is the best thing we can do. If you see something, say something. If you feel something, say it. They can check in on you. You can check in on them. It doesn't have to be embarrassing. It doesn't have to be this, it doesn't have to be this big thing if we don't let it become something big. If we start out with someone and we tell them how we're feeling and we tell them that something's not right and we catch it when it's here, we don't have to get to here. We can catch it before then. We can implement measures to help ourselves, help each other. If you've tried therapy and you feel like it just didn't work for you, please try again. It's very rare the very first therapist you go to is going to be the person that's good for you, that's a good fit for you, that's going to help you. I know there's uh, therapy is so stigmatized, but I'm, I would really hope that we're getting to the point that it isn't anymore. I feel like everybody could use a therapist. I feel like everybody, even if you've never really been in a dark, depressive state, if you've never dealt with anxiety, social anxiety, crippling anxiety, I feel like just regular life is stressful enough that finding a therapist that you that you work well with and that you can trust is a good thing for everybody. I would like to destigmatize the idea of going to therapy. I can't do it by myself. Um, but I always tell everybody, everybody needs to go to therapy because it's just good to have someone to talk to, especially if it's someone that has no stake in our, in our lives, like no personal stake. No, they don't, they don't love us. <laughs> they care about us. It's their job to help us, but they, they're not play, you know, major players in the, in the daily life that we live. And that's, that's good to have a non-biased person in our lives to talk to who can present new ideas that we didn't think of, who isn't interconnected, interwoven in the fabric of our daily lives. So if you tried therapy, you didn't really care for it, try it again. See, you know, go to somebody else, see if you find a therapist that you like better than the person you were with before. Um, also, I know therapy can be expensive. I know that it's not readily accessible for a lot of people. But the more that we destigmatize therapy, I think the more available it's becoming. I've noticed just in the past few years, and COVID did play a part of this, um, being able to have uh, internet access to therapy is a fairly new thing. Um, but it is becoming more accessible slowly but surely. And I think if you really need therapy, we, as a community, there should, you know, there should be more um, availability of therapists for people of all income, all walks of life. And I, I hope that by continuing the conversation about mental wellness, that we get to that point. 
Um, I know we're not there today, but seek help, please. If you feel so depressed that you don't know what else to do, please seek help. Talk to someone. Let someone know how you're feeling. Keep the communication flowing. Don't just sit in it because that's the worst thing you can do. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Don't bury it so deep inside of you that it just becomes worse and worse and worse and darker and darker and darker and you feel smaller and smaller and more disconnected. Keep connected somehow with someone. Um, I know that these things that I'm about to say seem very, very silly to say to people who are depressed, who are anxious, who are stressed. And I absolutely hate it when people say, you don't need therapy, you need to take a walk. Mm. I think we've all, I think if you've ever lived with depression, ever lived with anxiety, if you've ever lived with these things, there's someone in your life, either online or in person, who's made a comment similar to that. I'm not saying it in this way. I've been, I've heard it. I'm not saying it in this way. However, I will say there are some little things that you can do. They are not going to heal you. They are not going to fix the problem. Absolutely not. But they will help you to, to settle back in. And instead of automatically falling into a negative defense mechanism, they can slowly get you back to a place, a neutral place, where you can sort of lean into a more positive response. Breathing. Deep breathing. We've all heard the count to 10 method. I think we've heard that since childhood. Like, take a breath. Calm down. Think about it. Take some deep breaths. Pace your breathing. This can be done in a walk as well. I love a good morning walk with my dog. They love a good morning walk with me. It's a good way to start the day if you can. It also helps to pace your breathing. It's it's a good it's a good outlet for for stress. Physical activity, it gets your body moving. It it's it's better than just sitting. It really is. Um if you can't do that, the deep the deep breathing, you can pace your breathing yourself. Get back to a place. Don't automatically go negative. You can't, if you can't automatically go positive, don't automatically go negative. Take a minute and think about it. Journaling. I love to journal. One of my favorite things. Getting stuff in your head on paper. We, we don't have to say everything we're thinking to someone else. I don't think that's healthy. It's also not great because you could say something that, you know, you don't want out there. You said it because you felt it. Can't take it back. Journaling is perfect for getting things out. If you're not a writer, art. There's a reason why therapists implement these things. They're ways of taking the stress from inside and putting it out. And if you're an art, if you're a creative person, art is a perfect way to do that. And it doesn't have to be for anybody else. This doesn't have to be for public consumption. I know in the age of social media and everybody being an influencer or turning everything they do into some kind of business, this art that I'm talking about is not for public consumption. This is for you. This is a way to de-stress. This is a way to reset your compass so you're not going, you know, you're, you're, you're reverting, you're going toward a more positive way of dealing with something. Art gets it out of you. It distracts you. It changes your thought process. It puts your thoughts on something else. It gives you something else to do, another activity to do rather than just falling directly into a defense a negative defense mechanism, a negative coping skill. Um, music. I love listening to music. 
I love to listen to music and, and, and think about, especially if it's a song I've heard multiple times, I love to think about where I was the last time I heard that song. Was I in a better place mentally? Was it a happy time for me? Um, music, smells, smells also do that. Like, um, having a candle that, that reminds you of a person or a place or, um, you know, cooking, cooking can be a great one too, because it's something, it's a, it's an activity, but it's also, it's stimulating all these different senses and it can also be beneficial to the people around you. They can enjoy the benefits of, of your cooking as well. There's so many different things that we can do. Um, self-talk, that's another one. Go to the bathroom. If you're stressed, go to the bathroom, go to a quiet place, talk to yourself. I love to talk to myself. I have so much to say. I love to talk to myself. I love to hype myself up. I like to remind myself that it's going to be okay. If there's nobody else around you to do it, do it for yourself. Talk to yourself. Enjoy your own company. Make yourself your own, like, make yourself your own hype man. It's a great, it's a it's silly to say. It sounds absolutely silly to say, but it really works. It actually really does. Uh, if you feel silly talking in a room by yourself, get your phone and record a video of yourself. Or if you don't want to get to the point where you're recording because you're embarrassed about having that on your phone, just pull open your video app and watch yourself talk to yourself. Go to a mirror, look at yourself in the mirror. Hype yourself up. Tell yourself it's going to be okay. Tell yourself the things that you need to know. If nobody else is going to tell you, tell your own self what you need to hear. Whatever you have to do to get your mind out of that negative and moving toward the positive. I'm not saying it's going to be instantaneous. and I'm not saying you're immediately going to fall into that. It is so much easier to fall back on what feels comfortable. But what feels comfortable is not always what we need. Just a little bit of work, a little bit of trying to go from negative to positive is helpful. You know, it doesn't have to be, um, this is not an instant gratification thing, unfortunately, but trying is better than not saying something when you feel it, saying something when you see it. These are the ways that we not only help ourselves, but we help each other. So again, if you need help, please seek help. It's okay to not be okay. I know that's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason because it resonates. It's true. It's okay to not be okay, but we have to help each other. We have to help ourselves. So thanks for listening on this uh, first episode here. I hope you'll come back and we'll talk some more. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you have a great day and um, just keep going. I'll talk to you next time.